0: You know, to be able to come together and worship together today is a is a great opportunity for us, because that really is a whole part of our experience, right? To be able to, to call upon the Lord and worship the Lord and to see all that He is doing in our midst. I agree with what Ryan said, we really are excited about launch and what's going to happen, and Just being able to build into the life of our church. When we talk about uh, the growth track and what that means, really our, our goal inside that is to have all of our members, every person who is a part of Graceland Baptist Church, to be involved with ministry somewhere along the way. Whatever that is that God has gifted you for, God has given you talent for or passion for, so that in the days to come we are serving in the community, as through the life of our church, you're serving in the life of our church. But our prayer is as we launch Growth Track in just a couple of weeks for the next years, we'll be involved with raising up leaders so that. All of us are involved with ministry somewhere along the way in the life of our church. That's what we're excited about. That's what we're looking to. Well, Habakkuk is an interesting little book that we've been walking through. We have one more week. Pastor Ryan will finish this out next week in the last part of chapter 3. Habakkuk was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Israel. He was there because uh, it was a time period when uh, Israel had followed after the king Josiah had done so very well. They had, they had focused on God. They had focused on uh, understanding who God was and how God was working in their lives as a, as a nation. And then when he went away as king, there was lots of struggle, lots of conflict, lots of battles inside that. Uh, and it was just a tough time. And we see in history that uh, That southern kingdom judah they they just went away from the lord they just decided to do what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it uh, acted out on anything they wanted however they wanted to and really just really moved away from everything uh, king josiah had let them and led them to be a part of which was focusing on what god was doing and who god was in their midst and how they were following after god in this, in this prophet, he calls himself a prophet in the first part, not so much thinking toward the future, though uh, he does do that some. He, he does give some focus indication of, of the coming Christ for sure. He does give a prophecy about what's going to happen with the Babylonians, as um, God tells him that. This is a conversation, that's what it really is. It's a, it's a conversation between Habakkuk, one man who considered a prophet, or and his relationship with God. It was that kind of conversation. Habakkuk initially went to God because he wanted God to do something in order to bring the people of Israel back to God. That's what his heart was. It seemed to be that his desire in the midst of all this was to have God's people come back to God. But they had had just moved so far away. There was not an indication they were going to. matter of fact, we find in the first chapter that Habakkuk Hears from God that God is going to bring the Babylonians in, and they're actually going to take uh, Israel captive, which happens about probably 40 years later, maybe. uh, Maybe not quite that long, but uh, Jerusalem is overtaken. The Babylonians come in and destroy Jerusalem, which the people of God, the Israelites, thought would never happen. They thought that Jerusalem was that city of God, and it was going to be completely controlled by God, and it was going to be completely protected by God. Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we have that thought about our nation. We think that, oh, our nation is a, a godly nation, and God is going to protect us in so many ways. We, we think that. Uh, we see that may not be the case, and the coming years will play that out even more. Sometimes we think that about the church. We think that the church is not going to have to go through persecution and not going to struggle with things and everything's going to be fine. We definitely feel that way in in the Western church in the United States because we're not in a place where we're coming under, under heavy persecution like in East Asia or South Asia or some other places around the world where Christians are being killed day after day after day, hundreds of them for their faith in Christ. Not because of anything that they're doing other than proclaiming that they are followers of Christ. They're being killed for that. They're being persecuted for that. Now, we would say, well, man, God should be protecting them, right? God should, God should protect them. That's what Habakkuk was saying. Habakkuk was saying, God, if we're your people, why are you not protecting us? Well, obviously, God helps turn Habakkuk's thinking about that, which I, I hope he does ours too. I hope he turns our thinking toward being people who are struggling with doubt and worry and struggling about the day by day to, to a deeper walk with him, a deeper trust, because that's really what this little prophet was about. In this, And I say little, he's considered one of the minor prophets, not because he was small in stature, we know nothing about Habakkuk, or because he didn't have a lot to say, because he does, Called a minor prophet because he says uh, there's so many such such few verses uh, in the book itself. But not only do we think about our nation that way and about our our country sometimes that way and about our church, I think sometimes we think about that from ourselves in that way too, right? God, why don't not you protect me? Why don't you make sure that my whole life is perfect? Why don't I I came to you as a believer? Someone told me along the way that I trusted in Christ, everything was going to be good. And we would say, well, everything is good, but the understanding of what that means is a little bit different. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfect in our life, because we know we live in a fallen world. We live in a place of uh, disease and struggles and relationship problems, and all those things are reality for us, right? They, they, they're how we live. We know that. We live in this fallen world in which we are a part of. We look back to Genesis and we recognize that a sin came into this world. Now, why would we do that? Well, we would do that because we're a people who believe the Bible, right? Our, our worldview is from the Bible. There are people around us, all around us, who, who don't believe any of those things because they don't live out a worldview that comes out of the Bible. Our worldview as followers of Christ would say that we are have a biblical worldview. So we believe in the Old Testament. We believe that man has fallen. We believe that we are all sinners. And we believe that the only way that we come back to relationship with God for eternity is a relationship with Christ. That's our worldview. That's who we are as Christians. And it should change all of our thinking. It should change everything about us. So when we began to think God you are not protecting us, you, you haven't taken care of us the way we thought you would or we thought we're supposed to have. Habakkuk tries to deal with that. He tries to help us to understand there are some things about our life as believers. There are some things about that he pushes to the New Testament. We definitely get that from the New Testament, right? There are some things about us that we are not going to say God's going to protect us from everything, matter of fact. And we know that, that persecution is real. We know it from other countries. We haven't experienced it here as much. We know that, that heartache is real. We know that disease is real. We know that marital breakups are real. We know the hurt that comes along with that. We know the, the worry that comes inside that. The doubt that comes inside that. And Habakkuk was dealing with all those things in these few verses that he teaches us about. Today we're in chapter 3. We're looking at really verse 2 and 3. Uh, we, we're kind of taking the whole of verse 2 through down through 16, but we really won't touch part of that, but it really is that verses 4 through 16 are really a focus on on being able to proclaim to who God is and what God has done and how God has worked, and we won't get into as much as that at, at all today. You'll be able to go back and look at that some on your own. We're, we're really coming at this from understanding that our faith. Faith, which is being tested, our faith, which might be sometimes doubt, is leading us to a faith that's going deeper in trust. And that's really what we want to do. We want to see how God would take us individually. Say, God, how can my faith go deeper in you? Let's pray together. Father, as we come this morning, our prayer would be that you would indeed take your word, apply it to our lives, our own doubts, our own struggles, our own hurts, Lord, you you know us far better than anybody in this room knows us. You know us even far better than we know ourselves. Yet you love us so very much. And Father, we just pray that you would help, even in our doubt, to grow stronger in trust for you. Thank you for your word that might teach us today how we might grow closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bible there and we're looking at Habakkuk chapter three, we're looking at verse two. The very first verse says that this is a prayer of Habakkuk, and he starts out his prayer in verse two by simply saying, O Lord, I have heard the report of you. I have heard of your fame, another translation might say, and your work, so I know about you. O Lord, do I fear? In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. We're going to spend most of our time today really in that one verse because it really has a a lot of components that's going to teach us. So if you have a Bible, you you might recognize that he starts out by by saying, Oh, Lord. And the word that he starts out with there is an understanding that he's praying to God. Now, we're going to start this uh, understanding that Habakkuk uh, actually means embrace. That's what his name means. So the first thing I want us to see today is this understanding of embracing your desire of revival, Embracing, embracing or to embrace your desire for revival, just like Habakkuk has here. He's going to tell us that that's what he desires to embrace, a renewal, a revival something fresh. The word revive means to make new, right? If you revive something, it's going to be alive again. And that's what he's going to, going to get us to. In this, he starts his prayer, and that's what life always starts with, I believe. For a believer, it should be starting with prayer. He starts now with this personal connection to the Lord. He says, O oh Lord, and that word that he uses there is, is the word Yahweh or the word that means Jehovah. And in the Old Testament word, this word that there's lots of words for God in the Old Testament, in this word Jehovah, he, he is talking about and to God about a God of covenant. So he's calling on God as a God of covenant, a relational covenant that he has with God. Now we know the, the Israelites had a relation of covenant with God, right? Because they were the children of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and that covenant that goes all the way back to the to the new to the Old Testament, beginning of the, the Old Testament. We also know they had a, a division covenant. There were covenant that was a covenant of David that he was going to be, and this is after David. So the Davidic covenant had found his place. There was a Mosaic covenant, a covenant with Moses. So God is a covenant God. And a covenant God that he calls upon, that Habakkuk calls upon, is the covenant of God, a God who is a God of promise. And that's what he's really helping God to understand about himself, right? That God, I'm calling upon you because you are a God of promise. And he starts out with that prayer, which I believe is a starting place for each of us. Now, he's already gone through, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, a level of confession, right? So, when we begin to think about prayer, we begin to think about how we pray, we begin to think about our doubt, we begin to think about our struggles. It always starts with us, according to God's word, from an understanding of, of a confession of our sin. We are sinful people, and when we recognize our sinfulness... Then we're able to recognize that only God can cleanse us, and God can make us right. So we recognize, and Habakkuk's already done that. He's recognized his sinfulness, and here he's calling on a God of promise, and he's saying, "God, you are a God of a, you're a covenant God for me. You're a God of promise for me. You have made. Don't you like people who make a promise and keep it?" There are people who make a promise and say, I'm going to do this for you, and they actually do it. Now here, he he is saying to God, God, you're the kind of promise-making God that every promise that you have made to me, you have kept. You are that kind of God of covenant. Now we would say we love people who make promises, but we all, every one of us in this room, can probably recall someone who made a promise to us, but didn't keep it. Well, that promise was in some kind of relationship. It always is, right? They're going to be doing something inside of a relationship. Relationship's very important. So as we begin to understand this equipping that he has done for us, this preparation that he has done for us, it really comes out in the fact of the relationship that God has with you and the relationship that he desires with you. He desires to have the kind of relationship with you so that even in the midst of worry and doubt and struggle and heartache and brokenness and all the things that we go through in our life, it comes about to this place where in sight of all those things, we recognize that he is a God of promise and he has promised to take care of us, to provide for us and to be able to bring us to a place that we might be in relationship with. With him, That's the greatest promise that God gives to us. His greatest promise that he always is going to make true on is the fact that he is going to protect us. He is going to bring us into a place where we are with him for eternity. Now, sometimes we put those promises in our human life and we try to make them fit, yet they don't. They don't fit in our broken world. What he really does here, back in all this next 14 verses, as he thinks about God and all that God has done, and he thinks about God's promise, he moves us to begin thinking about the promise of, of God's love for us and how God has provided for us a future. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But the third thing I want us to see out of this is that he concludes this prayer, or this beginning of the prayer, really it's just the start of his prayer. He, he puts inside of it this understanding, I stand in all of your deeds. And then he says, revive your work in these years. As I said earlier, the word revive means to make alive. So what he is saying, what Habakkuk is saying to God is, God, I need for you to manifest yourself in the way that I have seen you work in the past in my life so that my doubts and my my doubt might go away, but my trust may get greater. He's asking God to manifest himself. Now, God is going to do this, but it's going to take... Actually, it's going to take about 600 years because Habakkuk writes a little bit around the 600 B.C. mark, right? And Jesus comes 600 years later. So Habakkuk's true answer that he gets from God, the promise that he gets from God, is not going to happen in his lifetime. It's not going to happen for some 600 years later when Jesus... Is manifested, God incarnate, the word of God becoming flesh and living among us. So when he makes this statement, God, I'm in awe of all you do, do it again, God's response is, I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna do it in such a way that my covenant is going to be for a new people, the church. And it's going to be for all peoples of the world, not just for the Jewish people, but for all people of the world who love God because God loves the world so much that he's sending Jesus so that the whole world might have the opportunity to have everlasting life. And so when Habakkuk is saying, Lord, revive, renew I want to see a new, fresh manifestation of your spirit. God is saying, oh, it's going to happen in a way that you can't even imagine. Well, let's go down to the next phrase that he uses in this passage. The next phrase, as I'll read verse 1 again, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear in the midst of the years? Revive it in the midst of the years. Make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. This is a great word in the Old Testament, but inside this word is the understanding that we are to embrace our deliverance of mercy, because this is really what he is asking God to do. He is asking God to deliver him by His kindness. The word mercy is a is a basic, simple word. It just simply means God's kindness. And he's asking God to show them kindness, to let them see. And and then from chapter 3, verse 3 or verse 4 on down through verse 16, this prayer of being able to look back and talk about what God has done. Matter of fact, in in the middle of verse 3, he says, Your splendor covered the heavens. The earth was full of his praise. And so he goes down through this this understanding of, of all that God is and how God has delivered in the past. And that's an important point here because one of the things we understand is that God is about delivering in the past. And he wants them to see how God has worked in the past. So it's only in God's working in the past are we able to see how God's working in the present and how God's working in the future. So a real important question is how do you recognize how God has worked in your life in the past? What do you see that God has done? It's that understanding of a hindsight is a twenty twenty 20 vision, right? So you can look back and you can see how God has worked in your life and done things for you and through you and in you to get you to where you are today. And some of those things have not been easy. I mean, I'm not saying that those have been easy things that God has done, but God has used those things in order to prepare you for where you are today. So when you look back at your past, the key response is how do you respond to your past? And according to the scripture in the back the rest of these verses, it's a response of praise. It's a response of thanksgiving for everything that has occurred because everything that has occurred has added its purpose to help you go deeper in your trust with him. Now, part of this also is to understand, as he tells us in Second Corinthians chapter. One of Second Corinthians, he gives us this, this great understanding where Paul says, He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him, we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. See, in the Second Corinthians passage, Paul gives us the fact that the Lord is about delivering us, but he's not just about delivering our past. He's also about delivering us where we are in our presence. And our deliverance comes by the fact that he is helping our faith to grow. Now, the deliverance doesn't come by the fact that he's going to fix everything, that everything going to be made perfect and right in this place. See, the, the understanding that he's given us, if you actually move on over to 1 John, where he tells us a little bit more about this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Little children, you are from God. And, over, and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, we heard that passage before. He who is in us is greater than he is who is in the world. And so our deliverance comes now, but our deliverance is about eternity, right? It's about what's lying ahead for us, what is in front of us. So he, he helps us. Habakkuk says, look, God, at all that you have done to deliver us. Bring your mercy to deliver me. Look, God, at all you are doing to deliver me now. Bring your mercy to deliver me now. But he also tells us God is going to deliver us in time to come. Now, I would, I would say to you that that's in itself, is the greatest thing that we have in our view of being a follower of Christ. Because, you see, it's not about the past in which we live, nor is it about the present in which all the struggles that we go through. Because we go through a lot of struggles. But it really is about the future, right? It's about the future that God has prepared for you, his child. See, everything about life... We get so focused in on the physical, yet the Bible, according to Habakkuk and as we move through the New Testament, has at its purpose not so much the physical today, but the eternity of tomorrow. So our lives not, are not focused on all the things that we go through in the physical, all the struggles, all the relationship issues, all the health issues, everything that we have. He's getting us to the place where our focus is on eternity. And what we're talking about here is a promise, a covenant God who says, I, I have going and I'm preparing a place for you. And I, when I prepare a place for you, I'm coming back to take you to myself, right? I've been just reading some about and the understanding of heaven and what heaven's going to look like and how, how that's... Happen. You know, there's a lot of things in the Bible about heaven. And some of it's very hard to, diff- to explain and interpret. But there's one thing that I know for sure in God's Word. Jesus says that I'm going to come back and get you and take you to where I am. So when everything else is failing us, when there's no deliverance that we think that we have, the true deliverance for us as believers is deliverance that we find in Christ, in Christ alone. He is the one who delivers us through the stuff that we go through, but he is the one who delivers us into eternity, and that's the focus. Would that not be true for us to be able to begin thinking about our neighbors around us and people that we work with and our family who are not followers of Christ? If we truly believe that our focus of the future is the very fact that Christ is the only way to have eternal life. Would it not move us to be a people, a church, to say our purpose is not to be so focused on the here and now, but our focus should be on helping our friends, neighbors, co-workers to focus on eternity. Because we would believe that we spend eternity with God in heaven. We would believe if they are not followers of Christ, they'll spend eternity away from God in hell. And so that should motivate us, move us, get us to the place where when we look at this covenant relationship with God, this promise of God, he has promised to walk with us through all these things. But his greatest promise, his greatest promise that he even makes to Habakkuk, when he's telling Habakkuk that he's going to respond to him, his greatest promise is the fact that Jesus is coming That Jesus is the one that's going to make the difference. He tells us that in verse 16 when he says, I'm waiting patiently. I'm waiting patiently now. And then we'll find out next week why he's waiting patiently. But the truth is he's waiting patiently for Jesus to restore all possibilities of his people coming to him. So we begin to understand that he delivers. He's the one who's delivering. And then the third thing I want us to see today is that as we do this, as we walk through this, we're embracing our display of confidence. Because as believers, this was a struggle for Habakkuk, right? I mean, he had gone through this time of doubt and struggle in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And now God was moving him away from doubt to trust. But he was saying to him inside that, that as you move to this trust factor, you have to display that for those around you. You have to let others understand what is happening in that. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 21 is a a wonderful verse that would help us to move to that. When Matthew, when Jesus actually, Matthew quotes Jesus in this 21st chapter, 21st verse, when he says very clearly, Jesus given this story about the curse of the fig tree, then he said, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, You would only do what has been done to this victory, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Why? Because our, our doubt has moved to trust. And the display of trust, and that's a great part of what that Matthew passage is, it's a display of the fact of the manifestation of the trust of God in our lives. How do those people around us family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, all those people around us who aren't followers of Christ, how do they see the display of your confidence as you walk through struggles in life? How do they see Christ in you as you go through these things, as you walk through these issues that we all walk through? James, in his little book in the New Testament, helps us to understand a little bit more of that when he says in these words... We need to move from discouragement to hope. In James, the first chapter, the second verse, count it all joy. Well, that's a hard one. Really, James? Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing lacking in nothing, so that he is working in us in the midst of all these things. And then that whole understanding of discouragement to hope, but really death to life in chapter 1, verse 12, when he says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. You see, Habakkuk was pushing us to begin to understand That God who wants to revive us. God who wants to revive his people. Who wants to renew his people for for a new manifestation of the spirit of God. Now, it is the Holy Spirit that lives in us, right? Because Jesus says, I'm going away and I'm sending another. And that Holy Spirit is going to take up residence in you. He's going to give you comfort. He's going to do all kinds of work through you and in you. Greater works than Christ has done. You will see these. That's what he tells us. Yet as Christians, we often struggle We often struggle because for some reason we don't feel like the deliverance is what it should be. Maybe we get so focused in on the here and now that we missed what he's done in the past and we sure forget what he's going to do in the future and we're just focused in on the here and now. So I would say to you today, how does that change? How does the Spirit of God allow you to look at this passage of Scripture here that we just read in James and say, blessed is the person who remains Steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Now, I interpret that this way for, for us it simply means that all of us are going to go through problems and struggles, and God has told us through Christ. That we have eternal life in Christ, and that crown of life that He's talking about—it's not a literal crown. It's not something I'm going to put on my head because if Revelation is true, anyway, if I even do that, I'm going to lay them at the feet of Jesus because I don't care anymore when I'm in eternity. It's about who Jesus is. So James says that when we go through these trials and all these things that are around us, we're being delivered in and out of those and through these to a present place, which really is the crown of life, which really is. Life, not death, but life, because death means we are now, and I've said this before, uh, that now in our world in which we live, and we're living in the land of the dying, right? Because we're all going to die, but the truth is, James says, no, this is going to be the land of the living, where you have the crown of life that's never going to go away. Now, I think that's a great encouragement for us that comes out of Habakkuk, but I think it's a great motivator for us to tell those around us who don't know Jesus about him and about they too might have eternity with him. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your worries or struggles or problems or all the things that are happening in your life, but I do know that when Habakkuk says, Lord, I want to see new. I want to see the manifestation of who you are. I want to see everything that you're about. that he... Somehow received that, but he understood that it's about Jesus, and next week we'll pick up right there and talk more about that. But again, I don't know all the things that you walk through, but I do know that in the middle of all those, he has given us as believers the very fact that he is our covenant God. He has made a promise to us that he is seeing us through to the crown of life. Now, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, that would be the beginning place. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to become a Christian, a follower of Christ. But if you're here today and you're struggling with doubt and worry, join the crowd. We're all there. We're all struggling with those things. But Habakkuk says to us that as we recognize who God is, as we recognize his deeds, as we recognize that he is a promise-keeping God for us, it gives us a confidence to walk out these doors To tell people around us, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the future holds. But in the middle of that, I do know who holds my life inside the future. And that makes the difference.